Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm at the Hamilton Southeastern Schools Administration Building, and I'm speaking with Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson has recently been hired as the head of safety for Hamilton Southeastern Schools. Mike, I have to tell you, uh, when I saw you the night that you were announced as the new safety uh, person for the head of safety for the school system, I think that was the first time I'd seen you out of uniform. I almost didn't recognize you. But now you've moved on to civilian life, and uh, honored to talk to you. Oh, thank you. I, I, I get that a lot. I, I, I've been around these schools for, you know, the better part of my career. And here lately, as I walk into the front office, I people greet me with, can I help you? Um, and then when I start talking, they realize it's me and um, the, I look different without my uniform. So, and I can tell you the, the new gig is uh, the clothes are more comfortable. I'm sure they are. Yeah, I've seen those uniforms, and it's it, people think it's and it is nice. You know, you get recognition as a police officer. But on the other hand, there are times of the year you wouldn't would be wearing that. I actually asked to speak to you on a podcast when I first got wind of the fact that you were retiring from the Fisher's Police Department, uh, and I was trying to work it out just to talk about your uh, your career as a police officer. And then I got the word that, well, you know, Mike's going to have an announcement about where he's going next. I can't tell you yet what it is. I thought, boy, could it be the schools? You know, I had no idea. And then when, you know, I found out uh, that you had been hired, that was But I want to, before I get into the job you have now, I would like to talk about your career in law enforcement. You spent a lot of time with Fisher's PD. Just explain what you were doing there. Talk about your career as a police officer. Yeah, I, I, have, I was fortunate enough to, you know, get hired by Fisher's PD right out of college. So, I, you know, I started in 93. I was, you know, a 20, 22, 23-year-old kid who just wanted to be a cop somewhere. And I, I was fortunate enough to land in this little place called Fisher's. And at the time, you know, we were... Uh, 15 sworn officers, I think, was the number, and the population of Fishers was somewhere in the vicinity of about 14,000 people. And uh, we were truly a small town. Um, you know, I I remember my very first night on solo patrol after I, field, after I finished by the academy and the field training, I was the only car on duty. So it was just me. Um, so to run one car, you know, uh, would be absolutely unheard of now. Um, but, but, you know, it was, uh, it was a different place. And, and I think the beauty of, of my career was that, you know, one of the things that I was able to do was kind of build a police department. And I, I, I'm not – I don't take credit for any particular, you know, part of that. We were a team. Uh, but at the time, Chief George Kale, um, you know, if you came to him with an idea, he was always uh, more than happy to let you run with it. And early on in, the, in my, my career, I knew I wanted to be involved with, with schools. I started, I became a DARE officer, and I started teaching. And over the course of 21 years as a DARE officer, I had thousands of kids I, I had contact with, uh, hundreds of school teachers, administrators. And that was really laying the foundation for, you know, for what I'm doing now. 
But along the, the way, we, we came across an organization called CALEA, which is the Commission on the Accreditation of Law Enforcement Agencies. And I, I was able to kind of get us started down the path of, you know, professionalism. And we created policies and professional sort of best practices uh, that really kind of laid the foundation. One of my most proud accomplishments was to, to be able to, to lay the foundation for Fishers PD to become truly a leader in law enforcement in, in not only central Indiana, but I believe anywhere in the United States. And I think those sound policies and, and you know, tracking what those best practices are from a legal perspective and from a professional perspective from all over the world, that's what Kalia did for us. And, and being at the helm of that was was really a, a big deal. So yeah, my career, you know, went from being, you know, the, the the school guy to the policy guy back to the school guy again. So it, well, it, that accreditation cool. you talked about, I remember talking with pol- uh, the police department about that. They were trying to get that publicized because they were looking for for uh, public input on that. And uh, that accreditation has now been going on. I think every year for the last several years. Yeah, yeah. our first accreditation award at Fisher's PD was um, uh, 2003. So the, we started the process in 2000. Um, and in 2003, we were, it's a three-year cycle. Um, so we, we got our first accreditation award in 2003, and we've been accredited consistently uh, ever since. Now, being involved with the schools, is that something you were assigned or something you asked to do, uh, I asked for that. Yeah, I, I knew getting into this profession. I, my dad was a, an officer, and uh, he was the chief of police at Beach Grove when he retired. Uh, and, he, and he retired at about in about two, about two thousand. But I had influence from a lot of the guys, him, and a lot of the guys that he worked with down in Beach Grove. Um, the, you know, they were they had a presence in their school, and and I saw that you could be. I went to Ball State to be a teacher. Right, I thought I was going to be a teacher. Uh, I had some teachers in my family, and, and I, I felt like that was my calling. But somewhere along the way, and, and while I was at Ball State, I, I decided that uh, uh, I wanted to be a, an officer that was a teacher, right? And so I, I, I kind of got into police work with the full intention of immersing myself in, into schools, um, just because I saw that in practice down in Beach Grove uh, with those guys. You know, I, I the Fishers you describe is the one I moved to. 30-some years ago, when I moved here in 1991, I think the population was under 10,000 when I got here. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, my wife and I had a, uh, a house in Sunblessed, which was the first real neighborhood, if you will, a subdivision in, in Fishers. So uh, you have had a front row seat to the growth uh, of this community and the school system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for you, sure. Uh, I have to tell you something. When I, whenever I place a, a story... On, on my blog, I put a couple of links on social media. And, you know, I'll get a few comments every now and then. When I posted your appointment on there, I it was an explosion of comments. And you have made quite an impression. People are very happy that you've chosen to come and be the safety officer here at the school system. So that must make you feel good. Yeah, it's overwhelming. I You know, some of the, the comments and some of the you know, the social media, I did my own little social media post and I've never really, I, I wouldn't, my son, my middle son is very uh, savvy with social media and he's got, he, he's very creative and has a YouTube channel. He's, he's literally gone viral with some of his creations. So I wouldn't compare it to going viral, but, um, you know, just seeing the, the outpouring of the support from the community has been pretty, uh, it's overwhelming and, and I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty proud of it. 
I've only had one YouTube video go viral, and that was the one I did on the Michigan left. <laughs> After that was installed, like on a Sunday morning, I took my car out and in, just placed a camera there where I didn't have to hold it. It was already, you know, secured, and just drove and I kind of explained what it was. 17,000 people saw that, <laughs> and they're still watching it. Of course, now the Michigan left is going away, so it's, it's, yeah. it's come and gone now. It's at its time. You know, people, I, you know, I don't mean to get on the Michigan sure, left story, right. but I, um, you know, people have a, opinions on the Michigan left, um, but I can tell you, before the Michigan left, that intersection, uh, you know, if we were to keep statistics, and we and we do, uh, on you know where the majority of our car accidents occur, 96 in Allisonville was the leader every year. Mm-hmm. And ever since that thing went in, it's hardly there's hardly an accident down there. So take it for what it's worth. It's <laughs> it's kept people safe. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, there's going to be some development in the area, which will now uh, create uh, well create it will be installed a, a roundabout replacing the Michigan left here in the not-too-distant future. Let's get to your job now as the uh, new HSE school's head of safety. Talk about the first things you're concerned about it, and now that you're in this capacity. Yeah, I, I think it's important for um, for kids. And, and, you know, if you think about the school district, it's not only a place that educates kids, but as an employer, too. So whether you're an employee, a staff member, a student, um, it's important for people to feel safe when they're getting their education. So so creating an environment where kids can learn, well, that environment needs to be safe. And, and having the conversations, having community outreach, you know, COVID, we, you know, before we started the interview here, we talked a little bit about how COVID kind of has shelved some things. And some of the community outreach for the city and community outreach for the schools is, is needs to be re- revitalized. And so getting out in front of parents to talk about, you know, the importance of social media safety in the home. Uh, getting in front of classrooms to talk about you know uh, things that are important uh, to to uh, what the students need to know about safety. Uh, tomorrow, actually, I get my first visit back into a classroom uh, since uh, I've been in this in this new role, and I can't wait to get in front of the high school class to talk about the things that are important to them tomorrow. So, um, I think just having the conversations and making the concerns of of all things safety known and something we can talk about. And then, of course, you know, making sure that when we have a critical incident, it, it's responded to and, and dealt with appropriately. And then people know what's going on because ultimately it's, the, it's their kids that we're talking about. So I think there's a, there's a lot there where we can work on. There's no question I think this district has is, is always had a very heavy safety footprint. I've been a part of it, a part of that team. And now that I'm sort of leading that team, um, we're going to continue with those efforts and, and uh, maybe even make them a little better. Yeah, just so people know, there is, there's a police radio on here. You still have to keep track yeah, of what's yeah, going I on. Stay, so yeah, yeah. it's okay. It kind of adds a little special effect yeah, here yeah, in the background. For sure, yeah. Uh, I, I think that uh, one of the major issues that you will have to deal with, and it's been talked about you know, in many meetings I've attended over the last 10 years, and that is the impact of social media on safety. And, and the monitoring of that and trying to figure out when danger signs are beginning to form, the cloud, the black clouds, if you will, where you see something possibly uh, uh, that could happen sometime in the future. That, that's got to be a very difficult thing to do. Huh? I know you can't reveal any secrets, and I don't want you to, but in general terms, how does a safety officer, uh, be, how are you able to monitor that and what tools do you have to do that? There, there's some technology available for us to to kind of make sure that you know our our kids are 
you know, staying within the, 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 the boundary, I guess, of, of safety. Um, you know, the, the biggest tool that we have for safety is, you know, are our students, right? So as kids, you know, are starting to head down some of these paths, that could be considered dangerous or, or reckless or whatever the, whatever you want whatever term you want to give it. More often than not, we receive information from their peers that, hey, you know, my friend here is, you know, experiencing something, whatever that might be. And so, you know, having the ability or the or the, the, the the relationship built so that kids are comfortable to let their teachers or their counselors or school resource officers, you know, know when something is coming off the rails, that is really our most effective tool. Um, and I could talk, we could do another podcast on our school resource officers, those, those officers that I've worked with for all, for all these years and I continue to work with now in this new job are amazing. And not just, you know, doing the things you would think a school resource officer does, but man, it's about building the relationships with the, with their students. They take ownership in their buildings and it's not about trailing, nailing and jailing kids. You know, that's, that's nonsense. That's not the, the goal of, of a school-based officer. It's about building relationships and being a resource for them to help them navigate life. And, um, you know, having that, that student body empowered to let us know when things are of concern, you know, you talk about tools. There's some, there's some things we've got, but that's the biggest one. I find that interesting because, uh, after the George Floyd incident and the demonstrations that happened after that, there were some schools around the country who were demanding that their school resource officers be taken out of the schools because they didn't feel comfortable with them in. And I think what you just touched on is is the major issue. It's the relation, do you have a relationship with the students or not? And if you don't, that's when the students and staff may not, you know, appreciate that school resource officer, that uniformed police officer in there. But what I'm hearing you say, and everything I've heard in Fishers and Hamilton Southeastern schools is, that no, there is a good relationship with student staff and, and SROs. So if, if I put my retired police hat back on, when after George Floyd, you know, our SROs were not necessarily pushed away. We were sort of pushed out in front. So I, I don't know if you recall, there was a uh, there were a couple of very kind of valuable protests that were conducted in the city, led by our students, and our school resource officers were out there shoulder to shoulder with those kids. Um, in that in that moment, so yeah, we the approach here has been um, we're all we're all heading down this path together, and we're, we're going to make it work. You, know, you talk about you know monitoring threats. There's there was a phrase that came out of nine eleven, I think. Uh, see something, say something, and at that time it was like you know let's let's all look around and see if there's something we need to look at. It's suspicious that police need to take a look at, and that really hasn't changed. Is that something you look mm. for as, as somebody in school safety? Yeah, yeah, and we've added to that, right? So we go see something, say something, do something. So you know, and in the, in the the last component of that would be you know. You say something to someone. Well, now we need to do something about it. And so, what are the resources? What are the supports? What are the what are the things we can put in place to make sure that the people that are impacted or being affected or being victimized or, or, or even the suspects, and especially when you're talking about young kids, how do we get them back on track uh, so that we don't ha- we don't create a situation where they're heading down a lifetime of you know that. So the do something thing is is the is sort of the next natural progression of that slogan, I guess. I hate to bring this up, but it's something that's on everybody's mind. And we all know that there have been school shootings all around the country. We had one way too close to home not that long ago in Noblesville. 
Uh, I got to know Beth Niedermeyer when she was an assistant superintendent here at her when she was here in HSC schools, and she's now the been the superintendent in Noblesville, preparing to retire, by the way, in the near future. But I know that was very difficult for her to handle. Uh, even though no one died, there were some pretty serious injuries that occurred as a result of that. Um, and there may not be a lot likely that you can say, but I want you to say what you can. Um, what can you do to prevent something like that? Well, you know, we work very um, diligently to prevent those things. You know, a lot of times from the police perspective, our our police investigators, our SWAT team guys, our, our patrol guys, they live in the world of being prepared to respond to such a thing, right? But our school-based folks, our school administrators, people like me in the safety world now, and our school resource officers live in the world of trying to prevent it from occurring in the first place. And I think... If we can create that environment where, you know, the school is the safe place for these kids, the school is the place where they can go to get help, to, you know, so that, that that's the last place that someone w- would want to target, right? Um, that that's going to go a long way. And of course, you know, trying to figure out how we respond, I can we could spend an, a whole other podcast on talking about the training and the pieces that go into responding to those events. The reality of it is the statistical likelihood of it occurring is so small, we should probably spend time on the other things that are way more like the, the, you know, the severe weather or the, the, the discipline things that become violent you know, in the classroom, the things that, you know, a medical run to a playground, those things are way more likely to occur. So as we start thinking about the big one, we have to prepare for all the little ones so that the big one, uh, you know, is, it just becomes, you know, part of the, the overall plan. But, mm-hmm. but not to get you know, sure. uh, too far off the trail there, but the, I think the biggest piece for us is working on the relationships that we build so that our, our kids feel safe and comfortable here. I remember an incident in Seymour not that many years ago where there was, a, I think, a girls' softball game or practice going on. And uh, there was a thunderstorm that cooked up very quickly before a warning could be issued, and you had a player struck by lightning in the middle of the field. Mm. Uh, so, you know, you it's one of those things where you, you just can't prepare for everything, but you do the best you can, and there was no warning. It's just sometimes <clears throat> when those storm systems come through, that lightning can hit before you get warning. So uh, I think that you know, that, that kind of plays into to what you were saying. And I want to ask you about... When you talk about prevention, excuse me, when you talk about prevention, um, you have a a very extensive mental health program in the HSC schools. I've watched that as it was played out and and, and was was, uh, monitoring it and seen it grow into what it is today. What part does that play in prevention? Uh, Pretty pretty serious. So you asked a little bit about some of the things that we can do to, you know, monitor all of these things. And, and. You know, one of the things we're going to work on here or working on here, getting better at is, uh, you know, using a system to identify when not only relying on just students to tell us when when someone is, you know, in crisis, but also taking a look at some of the behaviors and, and just assessing situations as they occur and try to identify kids who may be heading down a path of, you know, poor choices um, well before they get there. So um, and and and. As you take a look at some of the cases around the country or of some of those active shooters that you that you mentioned, um, you know there there have been signs, and so if if we can figure out how to identify the the, you know, the signs, 
uh, and get those services in place and supports in place, it's a huge part of the prevention piece. Uh, and, that's, and that's a big part of what I do working with people uh, like Brooke Lawson and the other mental health folks here. Uh, we, we work side by side, um, for sure, from, from the safety side and then kind of considering the mental health side. In fact, my, my first week concluded with some training with that entire team. So it's, uh, we, we are, we're very much a synergetic uh, you know, operation here. You mentioned that uh, you'd like to spend more less time on you know talking about school shootings to items that really do happen in the schools more often. What do students tell you? And when you were supervising them, the SROs, the officers in the buildings, what were the students telling you concerns them most about school safety? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I, I think um, it depends on the you know what's happening. I'll never forget when I was at Riverside one day, I was just walking the halls and it was shortly after Sandy Hook. It may have been the day of, uh, you know, and I had, I had a student come up to me and just tell me how thankful that they were, that I was just there. Um, you know, and that, that left a mark. I was like, you know, that's, that, that's, that's powerful for a junior high student to, to be thinking about that and know full well when they see me coming down the hallway, that that's part of why I'm there. Uh, so you know, if if we're dealing with if that's if that type of story is in the news, that's going to be very much on their on their mind. Uh, here, in 2020, there were other things on their minds in terms of how they felt safe at school. Um, you know, and so having being able to to be a resource or be a role model or be a person that the kids can talk to about any number of those topics, I, I think that's kind of where we where we kind of start from. What about uh, the teachers and the staff? Do they have any particular concerns about safety that they would like you to address? Yes, and I'm finding that out as we as I make my way around the buildings now. I'm kind of making contact with each individual principal. I have um, a pie-in-the-sky goal. I haven't run it by anybody here yet, so don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's our uh, little secret. It's our little secret, right? <laughs> uh, but I, I would like to have we, – and we've done it before, so this is not anything we haven't done before. But, um, you know, there's a lot of surveys going around right now, uh, so this now is not the time. But I think a safety survey might be in the, in the future just to kind of refresh – and, and, and don't rely on just what I've known to be true over the last few years. Ask the questions. What you are, you're asking me, well, I think maybe I should ask staff members and maybe even the whole community. I, I haven't, haven't figured out what that looks like yet. But um, some sort of a survey that kind of gives me my marching orders on, on what's important. Yeah, and that brings up something else, too. You talk about the whole community. Uh, sometimes parents demand to know things uh, about a threat. Maybe a threat's been rumored around a building and the parents get wind of it. Why didn't the school tell me? Well, maybe the rumor is something that be, that is uh, important. Sometimes it's not. Uh, how do you deal with some of the demands for communication from the school system about possible threats, uh, rumors that go around the building? That must be difficult for you to deal with. I am so glad you asked that question, and I didn't plant this question either <laughs> because the answer is important Good, uh, because there are some – legal restrictions on what a school district can talk about, right? When we're talking about juvenile educational records, or even juveniles, even from the police department side, we just can't tell people how we're dealing with a juvenile. And 90% of our population is, you know, our juveniles, right? And probably more than that. So when we have a threat and parents demand, what to, what are you doing, you know, 
we can we can speak in general terms, and that's that's one thing. At what's on my mind? So that's one thing. When we have these types of things, I wanted to see if I can try to figure out how I can be more transparent and, and include more information, so that there's we take the guesswork and the mystery out of it without crossing the line of telling everybody in the community a student's discipline record, which we cannot talk about, right? Um, so sometimes, you know, we get parents demanding to know what we've done to this particular student that's made a bad choice. Well, those same parents would not want us telling, uh, you know, everyone about what we've done to their child if they had gotten in trouble. So we, we, we just can't talk about it. So somewhere in there is a, uh, a statement or a, a information that can be shared that kind of gives the community uh, the knowledge that, hey, they've got this. And they're doing what they can, and they just can't really tell me everything. And and I think I I'm going to ask the community here that's listening, just to be okay with that. And you, you, they, you can't just know everything, but I promise you, I'm going to try to work on making sure we can share everything that we are allowed to share. Yeah. I've heard that many times from uh, people who work in public information in schools and from administrators that uh, uh, it's a, it's kind of a minefield when you're trying to figure I mean, you uh, you want to let the community know, but what can you say? You're very limited, and you're right. It, it has to do with personal um, privacy, and, and it has there are a lot of other issues, too, that, that uh, go along with that. Um, I know that sometimes I ask questions and I don't get it, the the answer I maybe need, but there's a reason for that. You know, I find out later. Mm-hmm. If there's any particular one thing or maybe a handful of things uh, in HSC schools that need to be addressed in the safety issue, what would you list? Hmm. Yeah, I've I feel like I've when when the board when the school board approved me that night, uh, there was the comment was made that. Uh, you know, it's not like the HSE didn't have safety before, right? Um, my job has just been the first time it's actually been organized in one position, right, where I get to touch it every day. Um, so I, you know, myself and, and the folks that were here before me and, and the people that have come and gone, or some of them are still here, um, that I've been working with over the last 10 years as a police officer assigned to the schools. Um, I feel like we have a good foundation so I, I don't know that I have necessarily one or two things that we absolutely have to do. You know, I've met with our mental health folks already. I've met with a, a good number of building principals already, you know, in my first, you know, going on three weeks here. Um, you know, I'm, I have a meeting coming up with the uh, executive director of uh, Mutsak Youth Athletics to talk about the use of the buildings uh, from the youth sports perspective and safety from coaches and opportunities to train, the, you know, the community parents. I think, I think if I were to, to give you that, that one thing that I really want to get, you know, get, you know, roll up my sleeves and get to work on. And that, I think that's going to be a community outreach, getting in front of, I, I love, I love, I love a microphone. I love a crowd. Um, I'm not afraid of that. So I'm, I, you know, if I can have a, a social media safety uh, night for parents or a school safety night for parents, um, I think that's maybe the just the community outreach is is the thing we need to get back online. Well, that microphone you have in front of you now didn't intimidate you at all, so right, right. you're uh, you're doing just fine. Uh, almost out of time. Is there anything you would like to add that I didn't uh, think to ask? No, I I think that I'm fortunate to have this opportunity. Um, I, I think my my time at the police department. Um, it was, you know, an absolute honor that, that is a for anybody who's, you know, got their doubts, that is a top notch uh, police department. The men and women there are 100 percent professional. 
and I am proud to have been associated with them for the amount of time that I was. And then absolutely blessed to be able to make the transition from my basic, my, I guess I would call it my life's work, right? My passion about school safety, being able to take that, to parlay that now into the same, you know, work at, in the same community, right? That's, I almost pinch myself thinking, is this real, right? Um, but, but here we are. So, Well, that's interesting because most of the police officers around here I've had a chance to get to know came here from another department because it seems like in recent years people want to come here and that uh, when applications come in, the people who tend to be hired have experience at another department. So you're kind of a, yeah. a, a, a the, one of the last breed of those who uh, were brought in by George Kale and yeah, that original yeah. group. Yeah, and, and we, we definitely have the um, – the officers now um, that we're hiring fresh out of the, you know college, we our, our, our last process we hired a couple officers that are pretty young, right? They're like younger than my kids, right? So, <laughs> um, but they're doing a fine job. Uh, I will put a plug in for them. Currently, they are they're, they're, the Fisher's Police Department is currently running a process for uh, lateral officers or officers with experience, uh, because when you're growing at this pace, um, if you can hire somebody. Uh, that can step in and not have to necessarily go to the academy. Mm-hmm. You can get them in that patrol car a little quicker. And uh, there's some benefit not only for the officer to move to a new agency like this one, but there's also a benefit to the, the department uh, to, to get somebody that's got new you know experiences and ideas from other agencies. And that's that's a big part of how they've, they've grown. Yeah, most departments like a mix of experienced mm-hmm. officers and brand new uh, right out of college. Mm-hmm. So Fishers is fortunate that they get enough applications that they can kind of pick uh, from both for of both, those groups. Yeah, Sure. Yeah. I want to thank Mike Johnson, new head of safety for the Hamilton Southeastern Schools. Pleasure talking thank to you, you sir. today. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase. Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate, and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. Be kind.